Well, good morning, everybody. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I really, I don't know that the song just, you know, the blessing, just praying a blessing over um, everybody and just looking at everybody and seeing everybody that's here and the representation that everybody is that's here for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and even your extended family, brothers and sisters, and uh, um, parents and grandparents. And I just, I, I just, I, I, I felt amazed, like I just wanted to cry. It just, it's amazing to see people standing in the gap for those who have not yet received Christ's love. Amen? Well, it's summertime. <laughs> How many of you guys are glad that it's summertime now? I'm pretty glad that it's summertime because I feel that now school's wrapped up. There's more time. Um, I have more time. The kids are, you know, finished school for the most part. I was homeschooling, so um, it was a lot of work for me. So now I feel like summer means for me a lot more time. And with this time that I have, I really have this, we'll, say, we'll use the word illusion. Can I use that word? <laughs> I could use a few other words, but we'll go with illusion. I have an illusion that of, of what I'm going to do. Actually, I have high hopes for what I'm going to do with my time, but one of those things is to be able to take on more responsibility to clean my own house. How many of you guys ever feel like you just don't have enough hours in the day to clean your whole house? Yes. Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah. Um, and, and how many of you guys feel like when somebody just randomly drops by your house and your first thought is, Oh my gosh, my house is a disaster. How many ever feel like that? Nobody feels like this. Okay, I feel like this. Listen, we just went out to a whole bunch of people's houses the other day during drop-offs for Father's Day, and that was one of the first responses that everyone, when they opened the door, they're like, oh no, my house. <laughs> But, oh, but come on in. No, sure. <laughs> no, but this, this is something actually that I have um, thought of and struggled with. Sorry, I feel like my microphone's a little too close. But um, anyways, this is something that I've struggled with and thought of, of just, you know, being embarrassed about, you know, when, when people come by and I feel like I haven't cleaned to a certain standard right? And maybe the people who come by, maybe they have a lower standard of what clean is, so maybe it's, maybe it's spotless to them. Or maybe they have a super high standard, and my house is a disaster. But really, what I want to do is just kind of close off the doors to everybody seeing what's behind the scenes and just show them a picture of that. You know what? I always keep a spotless house. Can you guys just always think that I always keep a spotless house? Like, can we just establish that right now? <laughs> you guys regularly get to see the inside of our house on Monday nights for prayer. And, uh, you know, it's always uh, an ordeal. Make sure that this door is closed and that this here blanket is removed no, from this. Hold on. And, the uh, only the door spotless... That the only door they can see is the bathroom door, and I really don't want you guys seeing my toilet. It's clean, but I don't want you guys seeing it while True. we're praying. <laughs> <Don't know. Yes. laughs> There's just a variety of all of these things that take place all the time. I mean, you know, it's like we're always looking at this, as, you know, this outward, you know, image of what we are projecting. Uh, you know, like how many of you, for instance, you know, uh, you know, are on some sort of social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, TikTok, and, and you know, you're... We're, you know, we're, we're bombarded with all of this imagery that, you know, people are showing of their lives and of their families, you know, et cetera. And, and you know, they're always looking for this perfect picture. You know, there's, it's like, you know, we could be standing here in front of this, you know, group and smiles and so forth. And it's like, 
You take a picture and it's like, oh no, that's not good enough. And then it's like number two, number three. And I know there's people out here, you know, sometimes it's a dozen, maybe two dozen times that you guys are taking that picture in order to make it perfect. You guys know what I'm talking about here? Because there's a certain perception. And then once you do that, you got filter A, filter B, filter C. I mean, I think there's like 20 different apps, you know, with all these different filters and, and ways that you can create all of these different things. I don't feel like I ever have this luxury of that because he just takes and posts whatever picture he wants. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I was so. like, you know, we were down at the fireworks the other day and there was like this gorgeous, you know, horizon and, and I just, you know, snap a picture of it and then Larry or, you know, or my friend in the back in the IT, you know, he's got like all these different, you know, it's like if you put it in night mode and you do this and this and it's just like the, the picture is completely different, you know, than, than what I had taken. And, and here's the thing, though, that happens, right? How many men out there, you know, have this, you know, thing going on in the back of their head, which is actually their spouse's voice, which is, don't post that picture until you get it okayed by me. <laughs> you know? He doesn't I, listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I normally don't, but, but that's my own problems. But I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? Is, is, you know, don't post it. I mean, my daughter's now, you know, getting to that point too, where it's just like, don't post that picture. Dad, 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 right? And so, you know, we go through, like social media has, has this, it's just, it's increased some of the natural things that are inside of us. And we, now we're starting to see, I was reading a lot, a little bit on some of the social media. And, and one of the articles they were talking about was that it was like this, this increase of social media has really increased what they what they call a self-obsessed narcissist now and so it's not saying that everybody you know is looking for that perfect shot as a narcissist but what's happening now is, I don't is think that he's calling anybody here a narcissist yeah, either. it's <laughs> that it's creating within us and bringing out that inside right selfish nature that is really just being presented in an outward perception of ourselves this is really what's taking place, right? Is it's because when you take a picture, they're not seeing what's on the inside of you. They're seeing what is on the outside. And this is what we're projecting, right? You know, rarely do people, you know, post on their social media, as you said, you know, a picture when you woke up first thing in the morning. You know, it was always the picture of, you know, what looks of grandeur in our lives. Amen? It's called the highlight reel. The highlight Everybody reel. Everybody gets to see the highlight reel. You don't of get to life. see the, the raw footage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like these minute and a half of my day were perfect. And this is what you're going to see, not the other 24 hours. Right, right. Amen. No, but really yeah. what we're talking about here is just can be summed up, like he said it, in, in the word image, right? And I want to define what image really means. And um, it's, it's a very, you know, we live in a culture that's very me-centric and it's very, you know, revolves around what I want and what other people think of me. And, um, and so I want to I define what image is. It's a visual representation of something, a person or a thing, and the general impression that a person, organization, or product presents to the public. So um, let me just give you a little example here. Um, how many of you guys have ever seen some sort of, um, I'll talk to the women here because probably the men don't get this, I don't know, um, an advertisement on Instagram or Facebook for some sort of foundation that is supposed to perfectly match your skin tone? Has anybody ever gotten that one? Okay, I've gotten it so many times and, and I ended up just giving into it and bought it. Okay. <laughs> 
And so thankfully for that one, I feel, you know, like it's supposed to give you this promise of like, all, they, they project this thing, it's like the miracle, you know, makeup piece and, you know, it's, it's what everybody needs and everybody's so amazed by it. You could have just, you know, saved $100 though and got the, you know, just put the filter on every time you took a picture. I, could, I probably could have, yeah. yeah. But you don't let me, so that didn't work. So now you spend $100. <laughs> So, so I ended up buying this, and thankfully the foundation did end up being worth the money that I paid for it. But, but there are so many times that we see products that are advertised, and they promise all of these things, but they don't really deliver what they are. Or, you know, we see, you know, back in the day when we used to have commercials. I don't know if we even have commercials. Do we have commercials anymore? I don't know. Commercials, okay, like McDonald's or something, and how, you know, you see this, this juicy burger, and you're like, wow, this looks amazing, and it's really not real food. What they are showing you is all a bunch of fake food that is supposed to be um, staged so that you desire it, so that you want it, but then you go and you buy it, and it doesn't look anything like what you saw on TV. Right? Am I right? And so it's basically, you know, what a difference between what is presented, what's on the outside, and what is on the inside. And there's a couple of scriptures, you know, like this, this is all basic stuff. You guys all know this kind of stuff, right? And, but we have to start basic just to get to where we want to go today. Um, but I want to share a couple of scriptures with you because God tells us that we shouldn't be looking at the outward appearance, that, that what matters is what's in the heart and, so, uh, and what's inside. And so there's a couple of scriptures. It says, Matthew 23, 28 says, Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. That one is kind of an ouchie. Like, you know, how many of you guys, you'd like to appear like you've got it together and like you're spiritually, you know, um, strong and, and, but inside maybe you're struggling with things, you know, who really wants to um, kind of put that, that out there, but God knows the heart. We see Jeremiah 17, 10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And then one of my favorite things is in 1 Samuel when Samuel is going to find and anoint the next king of Israel. And so he goes to Jesse's house and he says, bring all your sons out here. And he's like, come on. And so he brings all of his sons. And when I say all of his sons, what I really mean is that he did not even think about his youngest son. His youngest son was out in, in the field tending sheep. And so he lines up all of his sons, or almost all of his sons, and then Samuel's going through. And the Lord says to him, it says, 1 Samuel 16, 6-7, So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab, and he said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's true, right? And so... I want to go back to the beginning here, which is in the book of Genesis. How many, how many have read the book of Genesis before? Genesis 1, we're going to read in. And see, all of this is developing from this perspective. God looks through all of our outward charades. You're not fooling God by anything that we do on the outward side. God is looking at the inward. And when we look at the image, it says here in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that, you may, that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground 
So God created mankind in his own image, and in, his, sorry, and in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. The first thing I want to bring out in this particular verse is, is that that word God actually comes from the word Elohim, and the word Elohim actually is the pluralized of the word God's. Okay, which is representative of, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is the Trinity. And so when God said, let us make man in our image, and then it says that he created them both male and female, he created and, rep and, and recreated the glory of God in mankind. And so what he did here, and so we have, the, we have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I'm not going to get into all the different semantics of people's debates about the Holy Spirit today, you know, whether he's a male or he's a female uh, or whatever. But really what I want to bring out here is, is that attributes within the Word of God are attributed to the Holy Spirit, often bring out feminine attributes of the Holy Spirit to us. And really what I wanna capture here is, is that when God created males, when he created females, the completeness of who God was as Elohim was represented in what he created in us as mankind, amen? Mm -hmm. And so what I wanna bring out is, is, is that when we look at the image that God made us in, there are three different kind of perceptions that we are always processing about ourselves. There's the first view perception, which is really that of God's view of us. It's his perception. It is the one that is the most complete from his divine vantage point. It's, an, it's accurate in all of the details. When God looks at you and you see that perception, that is the accurate perception of what he made you to be. And when we look at this here, God has said he, he's not just looking at all of your outward elements. What he's looking at is the inward parts of man. And this is an important part. The second perception that we see and we process things through is the sentiments or the opinions, okay, of our peers and those around us. Okay, so we're processing things, right, with, you know, maybe it's what your, your family members said. Maybe it's what your parents say about you. Maybe it's what your, your coworker says or your children say. You have all of these different kind of opinions that are coming in and they're assessing and telling you who you are. And all of these collections are coming, and there's a wide spectrum of that information. You know, you may talk to, you know, uh, you, you know, this person's boss, and they may think that this is the worst employee ever, but you can talk to this person's coworker, and they're like, man, you're the best thing since sliced bread, okay? See, all of these things are competing for, you know, competing as we view ourselves. And the last one that we deal with here is actually our own appraisals of ourselves. So we take in not only the perceptions of what God says, the perceptions of what others say, but we have our own little, you know, dialogue going on within ourselves. You know what I'm talking about? And some people, and this, this, this can range all over the map too, because some people are going to be like, oh man, I, I'm completely worthless. I have no value. There's no purpose to what I do. And then you have the other, the other end of it, you know, where, you know, this person's like, please worship the ground that I walk upon this <laughs> day because I am the high and mighty, you know, meant to be, you know, the, the king of this nation. You know, it's, there's, there's such wide-ranging perspectives of how we process things. But really what it comes down to is, is that what priorities are we giving to the different perspectives of our own image? Are we, are we prioritizing our own thoughts of ourselves? 
Are we, are we prioritizing the thoughts of others? Are we prioritizing the thoughts of God Almighty as they are coming through the filters and the lens of what he has created us to be in his image and in his likeness? That's right. So why are we actually talking about image when we're actually talking about building the family under construction? And the reality of it is that um, in order to develop where we're going with family, we need to understand what image is and how th those perspectives play into things. See, God is very intentional about family. He spoke something very clear about family and we can go all the way back. I wanna bring you guys back to the beginning, back to Genesis. I think you stole my words earlier. We're going back, back to the beginning. Back to Genesis. <laughs> back to Genesis. Genesis uh, chapter two, verse eight, it says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he formed. And then we can jump down a few more verses. In verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. So we can see here, we know that God created man, but not only did he do that, there are three things that he actually did. Number one, he prepared a place uh, with every provision. This is the garden that they were in. Number two is that uh, he placed man in that place. So he made this place. He prepared it for them, and then he placed them. He put them in that place, the garden. And then the third thing is that he gave specific instructions about what they needed to do in that place. He told them, tend it and keep it, right? See, when God did all of these things, there was such a great intention. You know, we're, you know, there's all these debates out there in the world now about, you know, was there an intelligent designer in our universe? I'll answer the question for you. It's really easy. The answer is yes. His name was God, and he was intentional of what he designed for mankind. And so, as Pastor Sherry made mention, it said he, he made a place for mankind. He put Adam in the garden, and then he also established what he was to do, but he also put something else in the garden with him. And it says here in Genesis 2.24, it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife that they, that they shall become one flesh. See, God made the provision right there there in the beginning, he created a, a, a family unit, and there was family in the Garden of Eden. And this was representative and, and, and off of what we saw in the Godhead. So right from the very beginning, there was this design, okay, for God, for family. See, the nuclear family, as we know it this day, is always under attack by society. Is that correct? And, and the reason why it's always under attack is because it's God's intention. It was God's design. And the enemy doesn't want anything to do with what God has his purpose for. And so when God created mankind and he created male and female and he created husband and wife, he created them with an, a purpose and an intent to be together. And so this is part of what is important to what we understand with God and his intentions for us. Amen? Mm -hmm. Now... What it says here is it says, next it says in Psalms 68, 5 and 6, and this is a really important verse I want you guys to understand. It says, first of all, it says that a father of the fatherless and a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. So first of all, it talks about how he is a father to the fatherless. And then it says, and God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. And I want to take a look at even this, this word solitary. It, you know, we even we, we reference it once in a while, you know, even like solitary confinement. How many, how many of sometimes live in your house and you just want to be in solitary confinement, mm -hmm. right? 
You know, what was that scripture we were quoting the other day? It's better to dwell in the corner of a, of a housetop, uh, you know, than with a, <laughs> a brawling and a contentious woman. I'm just teasing. So, um, but, but this, this is really talking about that what God actually does is he takes the lonely and he puts them into a family. And see, God with his, when he talks about this, he says, you don't have a choice in this matter. It says, God's the one who sets us in. When you were born into this world, you were born into the family that you were born into. And you know what? You didn't have any choice in the matter because it was God Almighty who set you into that particular family. And that is part of what God's plan was. That is what his purpose was. See, when, when there's always a, a design, right, and a plan for, for where we are to basically go together. Okay, that word God has said it's solitary is, is that each of us need one another. We need a family structure. God put us intentionally within a family structure and it put us into a particular place. When we're in that family structure, we're in a place within a family. When Adam sinned in the garden, he was in this world. And you know what happened? It, 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 didn't, it didn't go... Adam, you sinned, and now you're out of this world. You know, I'm going to go start on another planet. What God did is, is that he actually removed Adam out of his place in the garden, which was where his place was. And God came actually walking into the garden. What did he say? Where are you? And we hear this phrase, where are you? And what was it representing? It was saying to Adam, it was talking to him and saying, Adam, where are you? You're out of your place. He had broken his relationship within the family of God Almighty. And so God was walking and it was immediately identified that he was not in the place that he should be within the family of God. That's right. And I just want to kind of throw a little thing in here because, you know, I know we're talking about family and family can get, when you're talking about being designed and put intentionally in a family, it can start to bring up some emotions, especially if you've grown up in a broken family or a dysfunctional family. And uh, what we need to know about this is that it was never God's design for us to be bro uh, brought up in dysfunctional families. God's perfect design was that the family unit be one together. And um, and so because of sin, and now, now we live in a fallen world, so uh, we experience some of these things. But he never leaves you, and he never forsakes you. So even if you've grown up in, in that type of an environment, maybe you had abusive parents, or maybe you had alcoholic uh, parents, or, or something to that nature, even in that, God can take that and he can use that for his glory. See, when it comes to our family, God still put us in the family that we are meant to be in. And we can still honor and we can still respect even if there's not, they, they don't treat us well or even if there is a brokenness that is there. We can stand and believe that God will repair that brokenness. But it was never his design for us to walk in that brokenness within our families. Amen. See, I want to bring out this next term. See, when we talk about the term family, we, right now I've been mentioning, you know, even just our natural families. But we also belong to another family. We belong to the family in, in, in the relationship with, with God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are, we are now part of the family of God. But we're also, the Bible makes also, also references to us as a body of believers also being in a family, the family of Christ. So that word family is actually, you know, you know, it's 
is, is pluralized here. It has multiple meetings. We got our natural family. We got a relationship with God. We got a relationship with one another in the corporate body, in the family of God, in the church. And it says here in John 14, 3, it says this, it says, and this is Jesus speaking. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. See, Christ went when he was about ready to go to the cross. He went to the cross to prepare a place, this is what he's speaking of, and part of that was to redeem us, to redeem, him, redeem us back to himself, to put us back into our proper place of a relationship with God Almighty. So he also put us back into our place within the body of Christ, and he put us back into our place into eternity of eternal life and not in the place of eternal death and separation from God. See, when God is talking about he sets the solitary, right, uh, uh, of the family, what he's bringing out here is he says, you're not, see, you're not just an individual, Okay, God has a purpose of building the kingdom of God. It says to go forth and make disciples. Everything in God's word, a lot, of, you know, in the New Testament, he talks about building the kingdom, and he talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, and all of these things are related to our relationship as the bride of Christ within the corporate body. And see, when you look at this here, you are not just building your individual life. You're not just building your individual career. You're not just building your individual ministry. What your purpose here is, you are part of a family, the family of God, and you are here to build the kingdom of God. This is very important for us. One of, uh, one of my favorite, favorite preachers of old, uh, you know, the late Tony Miller, if you guys remember, remember him, he made this statement, and, and, I, and I, it really stood out to me. He said, you never find out who you are as an individual until you find out where you fit in the corporate picture, meaning the, the body of Christ. And, and this here, he, he was bringing out, you know, we have this very backwards thinking all the time about what I need, you know, it's always this inward me-centric thought process of I need to find out, you know, what I need to do. I need to, you know, develop myself. I need to, you know, do X, Y, Z. And there's all of these things that are, are there, there is a relevance to this, but really what it is is that when we figure out, when we discover what it is that God has for us in the big picture, everything else starts to line up what God created us to do, what he created us for, how we are to, to live and where we're supposed to be because this is the plan of God for us to be able to function together within the big picture of the family of, of God. That's right. And just as he's saying, you know, we are building the kingdom of God and we are here to join together and there's so much power in the family unit. That's why God designed it that way. And it makes so much sense as to why the enemy is out to get us. And so we have to be very careful to not be this like focused on me and focused on, uh, you know, what, what people think of me so that I kind of recluse or I do this, I move away or I get out of place. And um, one of the things, actually, that um, I was looking up this morning, because when we're talking about indifference today, um, this was something, actually, that I feel like I struggled with this week. I had um, quite a few busy weeks that kind of, like, just were on top of each other, on top of each other, on top of each other, until I finally got a moment where I was like, oh, I feel like I can, I can breathe, and I'm just like, I don't have all the things to think about. I still had, like, a lot of things to do, but all of a sudden, I got to a point where I was like, I don't care. I don't care if they get done. 
I'm not going to do them. And I spent the week kind of fighting, well, not fighting him, fighting, fighting this. And so he would say, like, you know, did, did you do this? We got to get this done. Is this finished? And, you know, they're all deadlines. They all needed to be done before the end of the week. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And, and he's like, okay, but, like, we got to get and this no done. No one's ever been here before. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody, okay, wait, am I alone? Has anybody ever felt like this before where you've just had been so overwhelmed that you're just like, you know what, I just don't care anymore. And so I just kind of went through the week and I struggled to try to get the things done that I needed to get done. And so it got down to yesterday and he says, okay, we have to go over the message because we are preaching tomorrow. And I said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'll do it. I said, don't worry, it'll come together. It's not a big deal. And, uh, and, but inside, I'm going like, I know I need to do this. I know I got to get this done. But I just was, I was feeling so indifferent because it was just so much easier for me to be indifferent about things and to not do the things rather than to just, you know what, let's just do the hard work. We'll just keep going. We'll just keep pressing on. Take a moment if you need a moment and then keep going on. And see, the enemy likes to get us to this place where um, he's gotten us to a place where we're tired and we're exhausted. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of flips into this indifference. Like, it's not really that big of a deal. I can do it. I cannot do it. It wouldn't mean anything. Nobody's affected by it anyway. Nobody's going to notice if I'm gone. Nobody's going to care. Nobody thinks of this. And you begin to go through this dialogue in your head. But really what this is, is just like what wolves do when they're after their prey. You know what they do? They pester them, their prey, and they, they find the weakest link and they find the weakness that they're after. And even though their prey is usually so much bigger and so much stronger than they are, what the wolves do is they go and they look for the weak link and then they get on their case and they pester them and they taunt them and they get them to a place where their, their prey is so exhausted from fighting and from fear even. You know how much how debilitating fear can be when you're going through all this fear, all this fear, all this fear, and then all of a sudden, you just feel like, okay, I, don't, I can't do it. I'm just, my, my guard's down. I'm just, I'm tired. You guys ever feel like that? Like, I'm just tired. And then all of a sudden in that moment is when the wolves come in and swoop and they get the prey. And it's not because they're stronger than them. It's not because the prey didn't have what it takes to get away from the wolves. It's because the wolves wore them down and they succumbed to a place of indifference and they let themselves just be. Sometimes they fight, sometimes the wolves, you know, get, get, you know, attacked in the process or get hurt in the process, but the thing is, is that the enemy does this tactic. He's after us, and he will pester you and pester you with fear and with um, things that will tire you out, exhaust you mentally, emotionally, physically, to a point where you're just like, I just need a break. You guys feel like that? I just need a break. Can I just get a break anywhere? Can I get a break? And then all of a sudden, when you're, if you're not careful, you're alone, you're isolated, you're segregated. And then that's when the enemy swoops in and he starts to speak these things, these lies to your mind that make you think that you're better off alone. See, where it says in Psalm 60, um, what is it, Psalm 68, when it says he's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, and God is his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. What he's saying here is that he's going around looking for those who are 
in need, those who are hurting. And he's saying, come on, we got to get together. We've got to surround each other. We are, I'm putting you in a family for protection. And what the enemy does, he says, no, you're better off in isolation. Nobody cares about you. It's you against the world. And so you're better off to just walk away. You're better off to just take a step out. You know, how many of you guys have ever felt that in the kingdom of God, that, you know what, nobody's gonna notice. Nobody's gonna care. Have you guys ever felt that way before? Nobody, nobody's gonna notice? I wanna, I wanna see your hands. Who's, who's felt this way before? Because I feel like this is something that is, that, that is really strong right now, is that you matter. You are here for a purpose. And the enemy has tried to get you away from the pack. The enemy has tried to get you isolated because he's tried to convince you that you have this weakness on your own. And the truth is, on your own, you do have a weakness. You might have lots of weaknesses. But we have Christ, and our strength is in him. And if we allow Christ to be our strength, and we stay together in the design that God has created, that family unit, then we can lean on each other, we can build each other up, we can encourage each other, and at a moment where I'm feeling like I just don't matter right now, I've got people in my ear saying, you do matter. We can't do life without you. We need you here. You mean something, you have a purpose, you are doing something worthwhile for the kingdom of God, for other people. Other people see what you are doing and it means something to them. Each and every one of you guys, there is nobody here who is insignificant. There is nobody here who is less than, there's nobody here who doesn't measure up to the bar because Christ died on the cross for us that we could be together and we could have life. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, <clears throat> but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So not only is God talking about, he sets the solitary, solitary of the families, but even as he's talked specifically within the body of Christ, he has specifically set you in a place within the body of Christ. He's set you in a particular church. He's set you within a particular function within that body. And these are things that the Holy Spirit of God sets in place. The thing that's always interesting about these things is, is that it's God who, does, who sets these things as he pleases. It doesn't say as you please. You know, this goes back to our perceptions again of which voice are we listening to, the voice of God and how he perceives and what he wants us to do, or are we looking to the perception of what we believe that we are, what others believe that we are, the other things that we want to, you know, be when what God is really speaking to us is to be in obedience and to be in submission to the things that God has in place for us. See, God's the one who's your creator, and he sets you up with a plan and a purpose for your life. He sets you in for a plan and purpose within your natural family, within your spiritual family, the corporate body. And these are important things for us to be able to understand how do we connect into these, into these particular items. So I think one of the things I really wanted, I, I, that was really been on my heart even lately is, is that, you know, as, as families, whether it's natural, whether it's within the body of Christ, et cetera, is, is that we develop all of these, because we come out of broken, 
broken relationships, okay? And we develop a lot of times these, these inward resentments, these inward frustrations, these inward irritations, which as I said, not only when we dwell upon those things, get us into the situation that Pastor Sherry was talking about, about being isolated, okay, and being alone, but it also elevates us into a place of pride. And God says that he resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. And so really where we want to be in God's kingdom is we want to be in a place of humility. We want to be in a place where we are. I always, you know, when I pray all the time, one of the things that I always praise is, God, I want to be in your will. Mm -hmm. I want to be where you want me to be. Because I know that whether, if I am in the will of God, that he is there with me, no matter what circumstances and troubles and tribulations that I may be going through, I'm walking through them with God. But if I'm not in God's center of his will, do you know what happens? I'm out there on my own doing everything on my own. I don't want to be out there on my own because I'm susceptible to, to all the different troubles out there when I'm not in the place that God has called me to be. The other thing about, you know, family members is, is that there's, there's also what we call orphans, okay? And orphans are people, you know, where they, you know, they don't have a home. They're, they're, they're homeless at times. And so orphans are always trying, right, to earn a place. They're always trying to work their way and be a part. They're looking for approval all the time. But when you came into the family of God, he immediately brought you in as sons and daughters of God Almighty into the royal family, into yes. the royal priesthood, so that you can be part of a family. He set you on day one when we were baptized into being Christians. We became and identified uh, with Christ. And it says that even when we go into the waters of baptism, we come out in the image and the nature of God himself. This is so important for us to understand who we are in Christ Jesus because he has not made us orphans, but he has made us children of God. Yes, that's good. Mm -hmm. When we're in our right place, there's a few things that happen. The first thing is protection. Right? Mm -hmm. When we are in our rightful place, there is protection in that. Think about a, a bird's nest, okay? I remember, was it last year? We had um, morning doves that nested in our mulberry tree. And morning doves aren't great at building nests, so the nest was kind of, it wasn't in the very high up, and um, the animals were getting at the eggs inside of it. And so I was like, I, I don't know, I took it really personally. I was like trying to protect it. I was out there with an umbrella the one day and just like, I'm, that's not normally like me. I'm not mm -hmm. normally like that. But, um, but I just felt like there was something really significant with watching these birds. And as I'm watching, you know, as the, the eggs um, hatched and, and the little birds were just um, there and they were growing, all of a sudden one day one of the animals came and pulled the nest down. Well, the birds were out of the nest. And I was like oh no, something's wrong, like we gotta do something, we gotta fix this. And so I called um, the wildlife um, helpline and they said to put the nest back and to put the birds back in the nest. So I put them back in the nest because they said safety is in the nest, but when they're outside of the nest, it leaves them vulnerable to the predators. And it's the same thing with us, is that if we are out of our rightful place, then we are left vulnerable to the predator. And we know who our predator is, and we know the way that he works. There's a scripture, actually, that talks about this. Proverbs 28, verse 8, it says, A bird, bird wanders from the nest. So is a man that wanders from the nest. Is that the whole scripture? 
It says, as a bird yeah. wanders from the nest, so as a man who wanders as, from his nest. Yes, and, uh, and so it's, it's the same thing. It talks about that in the Bible, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, and it's the same thing with children. How many of you guys have children that, as the children were, quote-unquote, leaving the nest, that you felt almost a sense of, like, I got to protect them. I got to keep them safe because you know that their safety in the nest. You know that there's safety in you caring for them and you protecting them and being there for them. Mm -hmm. I think as I just want to elaborate even on this real quick as we're starting to wrap up. It says it says when you're talking about this and we're wandering and you know even your place, okay? You know the 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 mother bird is there, but I said there's also eggs in the nest. And so when the the bird flies or leaves away, he they also leave the eggs which is the next generation also open. Okay, and sceptical to uh, uh, attack, as you said, from predators. And, and really what we want to take a look at here is even take a look at, you know, your, your, your family at home, your family at the church. You know, if you're a father and you're absent from home, emotionally or physically all the time, what influence and what protection are you having for your family unit and for your children, the eggs in the nest, if you're, no, if you're not really there? If, if, let's, let's bring it even into the corporate body. If your protection, okay, the nest and the home is your corporate body, the church, and you're always away from the church, where's your protection going to be? You're wandering away. What, what is happening to the eggs in your nest hold if they're not here with you when you're away from church? These are all principles that God is bringing out here about the intent and the purpose and what we leave ourselves open to in these particular uh, circumstances. We wonder why, right, you know, we have breakdowns in our, our emotions or we have breakdowns in our spiritual life. We have breakdowns in our finances when we're just, we're away from the nest of God and the family of God and, the, and our relationship with God. You can't just come, you know, once a month, for instance, to church and pray and read your Bible and expect that you're gonna be in the nest for the next 30 days before you come to church again. Okay, this is all things that are relevant to the protection of the place that God has for you. And I want to, so there's a, there's a hedge in addition to this protection is, is there's a hedge of protection that goes around you within your family unit. You have the father, you have the father in the household and there's a protection of hedge when you are submitted into that family. As you come into a church, for instance, I-9 church, there's a protective hedge that is around you as a family when you come into the body of Christ uh, and you're submitted into that. Another thing, by the way, I just want to bring out is, is that when you're in a family, you know what family helps you do? It helps you from being stupid. <laughs> How many of you in your life have wanted to do something what we can just chalk up as to stupid, right? And your family members came along and said, you know what? What are you doing? They're the ones who are going to, you know, shake you and say, hey, ch -ch like, what is going on? Your family is there to protect you. Yes. And that's what's there when you have a relationship stemming out of that. Yes. And then the, that's the first part of it is the protection. But once you are in that nest and you're in that protection, there's a place of productivity yep. that happens. And so think about it this way, okay? If, um, if I'm going to talk about the band. So mm -hmm. if you were meant to be in the band... Maybe this is a little nice little plug for if you want to be in the band. But um, no, if you were, if you played an instrument or you sang, okay, and God has called you to lead in worship or to be there as a uh, as a worshiper, 
But you thought, oh, well, you know what? Standing behind a camera just looks so much nicer to me. And that's like, I would really like that. That's much better. And so you decide that you're going to go and you're going to stand behind the camera. Well, that leaves us a hole where we don't have somebody that's leading in worship. And so when you are in that nest and when you are in your family and in your rightful place, you are bringing productivity to that place. And so when you find where it is that you're meant to be and that place that you're meant to be, we're going to flourish all together as a family. If we have those people who are meant to um, operate the cameras and those people who are meant to preach and those people who are meant to play the piano and to sing and to, and to lead the worship, we have everybody doing all the things. We have our prayer warriors. We have those who are guarding the finances. We have those who are counting the money afterwards. We have all of these things to help the family run smoothly. And all of a sudden, every area is productive. And all of a sudden, things are flourishing. And you're starting to see things grow. It's like watching a plant grow. This is, this is my thing right now is, you know, trying to garden and I'm, having, I'm struggling trying to get my garden to grow properly because I don't have all of the um, knowledge and all of the things that I need to be able to do this. But here all together as a family, we have the ability to pull together. And even as we talk about planting and trees and so forth, it says that, first of all, that God plants us. You're, first of all, you're not planting yourself. God plants you into That's a right. place. He plants you into a church. He plants you into a family. And, you know, I, I had heard an analogy the other day that was even talking about if you take a citrus tree that is meant to grow, for instance, in, in, in weather like in Florida, and you decide to transplant it and put it up here in the north, you're going to have a struggle growing that citrus tree. And the thing is, is that there's nothing wrong with that citrus tree. Mm-hmm. But the environment that it is planted in and where it is meant to be planted is extremely relevant for it to be able to be producing in its life. That's good. And if you try to plant it up here in the north, you're going to be pulling it into the house and you're maybe going to have a couple little oranges on it once a year. But the reality is, is that it's meant to grow where God placed it and put it. And I want to wrap up today with this, with this final part. There's a story in the Bible that talks about a man named Gideon. And with Gideon in Judges 7.21, he's going through this whole process. And, and basically, there was this whole army of Midian, which was great in number. And the children of Israel started, and, and Gideon, God went through this whole process in, in getting Gideon to come and bring men to war. And even as he came to war, he had way too many men for what God wanted to do. And he kept shrinking, down the, shrinking it down. And so finally got to a place where he only had 300 men. And he gave them all a lantern, and he gave them all a trumpet, and then he positioned them all around the place, uh, around the camp of the Midianites. And then when he said, on my mark, you know, blow the trumpets and break the the things, and the lights came up, and it says here in Judges 7.21, and every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. That's good. The importance of this is, it wasn't about numbers. It was about the unity. It was about everyone being in their rightful place on the foundation of what God had wanted to do. And when they did such, they were able to defeat the enemy in mar- large, large quantities because they were doing what they were ordained to be able to do because God set them into a place and they stood in that place. And as a result of it, they unified against the enemy. Why don't you guys all stand today? You know, the, 
the key to this here today, and I'm going to have Pastor Sherry pray in just a moment. You know, when we were, when we were going through this original message, we were, we were looking on really trying to, you know, work about the family, the family unit and the structure. And as we, as we went through it, we believe that it was so important for us to even just lay foundationally about where we belong. And I think that it's, it's time for us, as I said, to, to move on from the, you know, the me-centric thought processes, the resentments of our families, the frustrations of our families, the irritations of our families, and not just, I told you, our natural families, but within the body of Christ, within our, our, our relationships, even with our Heavenly Father. And I just believe that as we build on a solid ground, that God's going to empower us to be able to reestablish and build our families the way that he would have us to build them. Yes. Well, Father, we just thank you for this day, God. I thank you that you are just even revealing to us what your thoughts are about us and where our rightful place is. Father, I thank you that you have taken us and you have set us in a, a specific place, Father. And today we choose to walk in your will and we choose to walk in your way. God, we thank you for our family members. We thank you for those in our natural family, Father. And we just pray, Father, that special blessing and that protection, that love, that comfort, and everything that is needed, Father, for that uh, healing and that restoration to come back to the family unit this day. God, we thank you for what you are doing here in this place, and I thank you as we go out into the world this, this week, Father, I thank you that you will go before us and that we will bring you to everyone around us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, just as we close up, I said, if you would like prayer, even for your family, if you would like prayer for you individually, finding your place, your purpose, those are things that you can come up here to the front for. We'll have the altars open. I want to leave you with one quick announcement as we go. Uh, one of the things that we, you know, we have is a community of youth and, and young people. And uh, this weekend they have a, you know, a big kind of community event that they have at Big Time Entertainment. Uh, and they're going to be, um, you know, just getting together and developing uh, their community and having fun. And so if you have, you know, you know, grandchildren, you have friends, you have neighbors, this is something you can grab information on the way out. But that's this particular Friday. I just want to encourage you to kind of get behind growing the kingdom of God. Anyways, look at the one next to you. Tell them that they're a blessing and you are, you are loved and appreciated and valued. Uh, we love you guys. You are dismissed. We'll talk to you soon. Afternoon show. So we just. Oh, don't cover this part. Oh, sorry. Sorry, forgot to tell you that. Um, so if you're joining us right now, we just heard a message called Building the Family Under Construction. Mm -hmm. And so we're in a series. This is our second week of the series. Mm -hmm. Pastors Brian and Sherry delivered the message to us mm -hmm. today. And it's Sunday, July 3rd. So if you're just joining us, welcome, welcome. Mm -hmm. But if it's Wednesday, Go back and watch the service <laughs> and then come back and watch us because yes. we got some things we got to say. We have a very special guest who hasn't been here in a while and uh, yeah, and he's going to be saying some words. Yeah. So we get to hear wisdom. Wisdom. And I think Pastor it's ironic Michael. because it's on family today. Yeah. And so Pastor Michael Quinlan will be joining us and he will be because I mean, if you don't know, I'm related to him. <laughs> 
So yeah, anyway, so I'm excited. Um, Ange, anything stand out to you today in the service that yeah. you like specifically? Yeah, I think worship was awesome. Like when Jessica was talking about, you know, praying for your family, I thought that was really powerful and how everybody kind of got together and prayed for their families because it's so important to pray for our family. That's what builds the family and um, pleading the blood of Jesus over them and God's protection over them. That's what's so important and is a big part yeah. of um, making sure our family's strong and serving the Lord and for the generations and those who aren't serving the Lord, that God's with them, That's even right. though. Yeah, we've done mm -hmm. that for the last couple of weeks where we yeah. had the families pray together. And I think mm -hmm. it's a really powerful thing. Even if mm -hmm. you're here by yourself, that there's people with you that are family with you, right? Yeah. So uh, let's bring in our... Uh, our guest, come on in, Pastor Michael Quinlan. Yeah, so you have to, you have to put your yeah. toes on the line. Okay. Awesome. This is you haven't been here in a while. I was just I saying that this is a special treat for everyone because, well, you've been gone and then you haven't been before that even. Anyways. I know. I usually try to disappear right after service and yeah, go talk to all the people. <laughs> I I never get to see people because they always sneak out and then yeah. I'm just standing there like, ah. But I'm catching them in the foyer. I'm just waiting, yeah. waiting and like, watching. Like, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I could just picture Pastor Michael from behind the court. I just be like, hey, yeah. <laughs> I see you. Don't think you're getting out of yeah, here yeah, without seeing somebody. <laughs> That's right. Um, so we were just talking about things that stood out to the message to us. Yes. And Angie was just saying how she really appreciates the opportunity to be able to pray with her family mm -hmm. during yes. um, the prayer and worship time. Because we did that last week as well. So, and how it's, it's really good to like unite the family spiritually, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where sometimes we talk about the individuals in the church and it's all mm -hmm. about me, me, me. Mm -hmm. And it's good to get yourself up to where God wants you to be. Yeah. But you oftentimes find who you're supposed to be, like Pastor Brown was saying, yeah. is within the unit when he was talking about uh, Bishop yeah. Tony Miller. Yeah. And I know that that's one of those things is like, it's good for you to be working on you, <laughs> but you need to be working on everybody else around you, you know, yes. and it's like, we need to be growing together. Mm -hmm. I was reading um, in Joel 2.28, and then you see it too in Acts 2.17, they reference it, but it talks about that your sons and daughters will prophesy, that your old men will dream dreams, and that, yeah. your, that your young men will, will have visions. And so the point of that is that in those last days, which we're living in right now, yeah. the, spirit's being pulled, the spirit is being poured out onto multiple generations yeah. of the old, of the young, of the current. And so it's very important as a church that we don't only foster the relationship between Christians and Christ mm -hmm. um, and their Father God, but that we uh, encourage the relationship building of yeah. the family unit. Yeah, with yeah. each other. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah, awesome. I think um, something that was powerful to me too is knowing that like we are here together as mm -hmm. a unit. Like like you're saying, we need to build each other up and be there for one another and mm -hmm. learning how we can do that because like you said, the focus isn't really on that all the time. Yeah. Like we're fo a lot of the time we're the messages we hear are about focusing on ourselves but like how can we be there for one another what are some ways you think we can build each other up in christ yeah i mean here's the thing in this in the world that we live in right now we see uh, marriage is at an all-time low divorce yeah. rates never been higher okay mm -hmm. we see fatherlessness never been higher yeah. you see an orphan generation of children yeah. so what you see is a breakdown in the nuclear family you see major organizations coming out where within their um, guidelines of their organization it's literally to get rid of 
the male and female and, and uh, family units mm -hmm. that exist in society. And so what we're seeing is that there is an attack on the family and the damage is being seen in society. Right. And we're seeing it as a multi-generational thing where mm -hmm. you can see statistically, this isn't even a, a Christian statistics, this is just opening right. your eyeballs and looking around, yeah. mm -hmm. that when you start to remove parents out of the household, when you start to break up uh, uh, parents, you pull fathers out of the household, you start to see statistically a breakdown in all of society. And so I would say that one major thing that we can do as a church is really be looking to encourage the marriages to work together. Yeah. That's why we do marital counseling. That's why we have pre-marriage counseling. That's yeah. why um, you know uh, people who've been married for a while get together with other married couples to mm -hmm. kind of be able to mentor and grow together. Um, yeah. That children have resources that they can come to church. But you'll see, like we started bringing the kids into worship with yes. the parents, yeah, and so that. we're doing that not every time, but we're starting to do that more because we want to be having kids worship with their parents yeah. um, and you see that we have those different types of ministries with our men and our women where our lighthouses where we're praying together they was that old saying they say the family that prays together that, stays together is that right? a saying I, I think so <laughs> it's a great bumper sticker if it's not <laughs> yeah family that prays they stay together somebody else uh, Larry, Larry on the agrees. back talk agrees with me. That's a real thing. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, I, I just really believe that you see such an attack on the nuclear family yeah. because the, the world and, and the enemies against us realize if you can break down the household, yeah. you can break down the people in the household, and you can get them off of uh, the purpose and pa path and plans that God has for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think practically ways, I believe, is making sure that you have God first, mm -hmm. that marriages come second, that your children come third, yeah. and everything else after that is gonna come into it, right? That's good, yeah. It's the order of uh, importance in your life. It's like, mm -hmm. where are your priorities at? And I think too, like, I mean, um, I, I even had like a conversation with someone the other day and I, I introduced myself to that person and I said, hi, I'm Sarah. And they're like, I know. So, you do? Like, how? You know, because I think most of the people at I-9. No, I didn't have a name tag. Oh, okay. Do we have name tag? No. So, so, I, I didn't get a name really tag. funny if that was the, 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 the punchline. <laughs> yeah, and I had my name tag on. No. Yeah. So um, she just said to me, like, I do. I know, I've known you for years. I said, I, I have no, like, I had no idea. And then I ended up finding out that it was a church that I had gone to that she was always there and knew who I was. But I never had that face-to-face -face moment with her. And something I really appreciate and I really, really treasure and value about our church mm -hmm. is I, I find that I have face-to-face -face time with people. Mm -hmm. I, except if you guys leave before I can be done the After <laughs> 9 show. Don't leave. But a lot of people I have face-to-face -face contact with. I have time to connect with them, pray with them during the prayer, or worship together with them, sit beside them, whatever. Right. So I, I think that we really like this whole under construction series. Clearly it's not, you know... We're not building building physically, but we're building our church relationally. We're building our church, uh, the community, you know, the connection. Because like you said, if you just come and sit down and then leave, like there's a whole element that you're missing out on of church. It's, you're basically just checking a, a box by sitting in a chair. But we really believe that at I-9 that we are a family and that this is a home for people. And it's not about four walls or you know, the fanciest lights we can have on the stage or, you know, Pastor Brian does a dance on Sunday. It's about the community and the connection because I think that the things I've learned the most being involved in I-9 is that, okay, you know, we have a conflict. How can we resolve this? It's about peace first. It's about unity first. It's about this, you know, mm -hmm. and it's the hard things that make the relationships even stronger. I, I know one thing that me and Pastor Brian were talking about is a lot of times people look at it as 
do church. Yeah. And we don't do church. Mm -hmm. We are the church, yep. but we do life. Yeah. Right. And so it's like we're doing life with one another, just like a family. Yep. We yep. got our we are going to bump into each other every once in a while and get on each other's uh, gears and, yeah. and whatever else. Right. But we're doing life together. Right. But we are the church. So the yeah. church isn't something we do. The church is the family right. that we are. We're the body of Christ, yeah. right? But that as a body of Christ, we do life, we grow, we learn, we get connected and, and uh, you know, it's just like the body, right? Some, mm -hmm. The hands and the fingers are going to be a lot closer than the toes, but everybody is required. Yeah. Um, just this is how there's so many members, but you know, you're not individual, yes. mm -hmm. right? And so I think that that's one thing that as a church we're doing both at the family level, um, actual families within the church, but also as we are within the family yeah. being the church. Yeah. I think something else, um, if I have a little You're more good. time. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that they touched on, Pastor Brian and Pastor Sherry, was mm -hmm. isolation. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge thing that people struggle with in the church. And um, I, I, God was speaking to me on this actually the past couple weeks. I was sitting next to Kim my mother-in-law and she was like Josiah and I had like a talk for like three hours at the bonfire last night and she was just so like happy and glad she had this heart to heart with him and I was like wow like that's really cool and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and was like that's how I feel when like you come to me and you talk to me about and have a heart to heart with me and I think it's easy to isolate ourselves from people and not have those special connections and words of encouragement yeah from people and from God. Um, it's way easier to just, like Sherry said, be indifferent and just, sorry, it's okay. be indifferent and then just like be on our own. But it's super important to have those connections. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. We're not asking anyone to suffer in silence. You know, like that's mm -hmm. something that's very important to us. Even if you know Pastor Brian, um, I'm sure he's called you yeah. at some point. <laughs> you know, he, and if you miss service, he will call you for sure. So, um, but yeah, it, like the community, the family, they're for each other. We want to know, like, can we help you? Can we love on you? Can we pray for you? What do you need? You know, like we're here for you. It's yeah. just like when Jesus said that he leaves the 99 to go after right. the one. Yeah. It's because when there's the one and they're in isolation, and they're separated that's when there's going to be problems but just as Jesus goes out from the 99 to bring back the one so do we as a church we're always looking for the person that looks like they might not be part of the 99 and yeah. we're out in the city and we're out in the town we find people that are alone we realize that they are a one yeah. and that we can bring them into the 99 just like Christ brought yeah. us into the 99. So good. Right? Yeah, man. We went full circle today. I we really, sure did. I really like that. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks for coming on there, Pastor Michael Goodland. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, what do we have going on? So Pastor Brian mentioned we have a, we're going to Big Time Entertainment on Friday night with the youth group. Have you been to this place? No, I have not. So we went, we went with Nathan for his birthday, and there's like axe throwing. Um, they've got this thing called... Bowling, fouling. It's basically football bowling. So it's just a massive thing. And Love that. It's very cool. Anyway, yeah. we're really excited. So that's if you have someone that's grade six to grade twelve living in your no grade, yeah, living in your house and they want something to do next Friday. It's thirty bucks. Let me know. I'll get you guys connected. Um, we also have the lighthouse tomorrow night at six thirty. Mm -hmm. We will be there. It's healing night, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, August sixth, we've got 6th, our picnic, picnic and our baptism day. Yes. It's going to be in Leamington at Seacliff Park. The best beach in the Super area. nice yes. beach, nice splash pad. Splash I think pad. we're going to have some course. food. Yeah. It's going to mm -hmm. be a good day. Bring someone out to get baptized. Get them connected into the family. That's right. Ten to two. 
and uh, it's going to be a great day. We're going to have more information on our website, on our Facebook, and uh, and uh, if you have more information about that or how you can get involved or how you can get baptized, come talk to any one of us, and we will load you up with information. Yes, and we don't have a cutoff time, so maybe you don't say August 5th. Oh, I wanted to get baptized. Great. So I think it's August 6th. No, I'm saying like if they say like the day before, oh, oh shoot, yeah. I wanted to get baptized. It's a lake, and we didn't have to book the lake, so if you show up, <laughs> we will dunk you. We'll dunk you. Um, all right, guys. Well, Angie, do you have anything else to say? No, do you feel good? Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Angie. You're the best. Um, okay, well, I hope you guys have the best Sunday of your life. I am Sarah Quinlan. I got Pastor Michael Quinlan and my girl, Angelina Workman, and we hope you have the best day of your life. We'll see you tomorrow at the Lighthouse.